We're going to go ahead and continue on uh, today in our, our discussion of who we are as a church. And today, this is a, uh, this is a new one I've added to this series. We've actually got two new ones this series, uh, this year. And one that I want to take a look at is, is here at Living Hope Family Church, we are a people who serve. How many of you guys know that uh, the church has a purpose? The church, uh-oh. It's like I'm buying somebody burritos. Better turn my phone on. What happened here? I have a little thing that's supposed to turn it off automatically. And it apparently didn't work. Forgive me. So, <laughs> so I want to talk. But yeah, like we are people who serve. The church has a purpose. The church is not supposed to be a place where we get to come on Sunday mornings and listen to some great music. We get to come, and at least at this church, you get to come and hear some amazing preaching. I mean, it is fantastic. I mean, the guy who preaches here is something else. May not be a great preacher, but he is something else. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, uh, you know, that's, we don't come on Sunday mornings to be entertained, or that shouldn't be why we're coming to church, is to be entertained. The church has a purpose. Actually, the purpose of Sunday morning is for you to become equipped, to be trained, to learn so that you can better serve in the kingdom of God. We're not here to just fill seats. But we're here to serve the purpose of God in our lives and in this community. And the truth is, is that we are the body of Christ. You guys have all heard we're the body of Christ. We're going to take a look at what that actually means today is, is we are the body of Christ. And Christ is our head. He's the one who directs us and guides us. But he's put us here for a purpose. We all have different parts in this body for a purpose because God has something for us to do. And the church is to operate as one unit. You know, there's a, a lot of diseases out there that cause uh, different parts of people's body to react in a way that they didn't intend it to do. Um, there's, uh, uh, I forget what is it, is it, is it autism that causes the ticks in people's bodies? Tourette's. That's a, that's a disease. It's, it's, a, it's a, uh, somebody's body not functioning the way it should be, but they, they'll have tick, their body will react and move in ways that it's not supposed to move. And how many know that it's hard to live in a body that's acting like that? It's hard to, to direct your body where it wants to go if it's going to do whatever it wants of its own free will. And the truth is it's the same in the church. We are one body. We should be working together in unison to, to accomplish the purpose that God has for us and particularly for us in this city. And all of us are to work individually but together to impact a fallen world. And each and every single one of us in this room this morning, and even those that aren't in this room this morning, they have a role to play. They have a, a job to fulfill. God, Jesus is a, and God has created them with a purpose to do something to impact his kingdom. In Ephesians 2.10, it says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you know that you are God's workmanship? You are, God created you so that, for good works, to, be, to, to, to do good works. Now here, uh, we don't believe that good works are what saves you. You don't have to worry about it. Good works is not what gets you into heaven. A matter of fact, you could do all kinds of good works. If you don't have faith, uh, individual faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't going to matter. All your good works are, the scripture says, as filthy rags to God. 
But the reality is, is that when you get saved, you are saved into good works. What that means is that you've been saved, you've been created for a purpose, you are God's workmanship, and he's a master craftsman, he's a master builder, and he's created you and shaped you for his purpose. And he says that, that God prepared you beforehand that you should walk in those things. You were created, church, to serve him. Amen? So let's take a look a little bit more deeply into it. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all who are made to drink of one spirit. Do you guys know that the human body is complex? I mean, if you think about it, what happens inside of our bodies to make everything work, one, if that's not evidence for, for a creator, I don't know what is, because we are just uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. Crying out loud. This microphone is going to drive me crazy today. But we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. There we go. Hopefully that will stay put, so every time I turn my head, it doesn't try to rip this thing out. But our, our bodies are, are, are crazy. Like if you think about how it all works. And I was, I was looking at this as I was researching this and kind of how complex the body really is. But you know that there are over 12 major organ systems in our body. And each of these organ systems are created up with smaller parts. So I'm going to read off a few of them. The circulatory system has the heart, the aortic chamber. It has arteries and veins. And all of these have to work together to make sure our body works. The digestive system has teeth, tongue, salivary glands, your esophagus, the stomach, the liver, the gallbladder, pancreas, intestines, and so forth. The, the endocrine system has the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland and a bunch of other glands that I can't pronounce. And then there's like our external structures, which are like our skin and our hair and our nails. And then we have the sensory structures, which are our eyes, ears, nose, and lips. We have our, our, our uh, optical structure, which is our, you know, our eyeballs and everything inside of that so we can see. And the list goes on and on and on. What is in our body that makes it work the way it's supposed to. And if any one of those, those parts get messed up, then, then your body is missing something. It doesn't work the way God intended. But the, the idea is, is that a body is complex. It has all these moving parts. They work together to accomplish what the, what the head, in our case, what our mind, what our brains wants it to do. And the same is true for the church. And it says, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Did you know that when you were saved, it says, for in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Do you guys know what the word baptized actually means if you want to get a little bit literal with it? It just means to submerge or to dip, to dunk, to, 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 to put under a fluid. To whelm is another definition for it. But when we are saved, we are actually dipped or we're whelmed, we're submerged into the body of Christ. Anybody ever made a tie-dye t-shirt before? I know she makes t-shirts, right? So when you go to make a t-shirt, right, you mix up the, actually, I think they do it different now than when I was growing up. Now they, they tie it all up and they just squirt stuff on it. When I was growing up, we made tie-dye t-shirts. We got all in. It was all messy. We filled up a sink full of, of, of water. It was all dyed. And you took that shirt, you know, you tied the rubber bands around and, and you dunked the shirt inside there and you fully whelmed, right? You baptized that shirt into the dye and it got fully submerged. And when you pulled it out, 
it changed the color, right? It changed the shirt. The shirt was something else than before it was put in before. And the way it's designed is you can't wash that dye out. You know, you can run that shirt through the washer over and over and over, but it becomes, the dye becomes one with the shirt. And the same is true of us. When we are baptized into one body, we are whelmed into the body. We're completely submerged. We become one with it. And from that point forward, we are part of it. We are, you can't be just washed out. You become, uh, 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 I don't know what the word I'm thinking of, but you become a permanent part of, of, of the body, just like the dye becomes the, the permanent part of the shirt. The dye fuses with it just like we fuse with the body and we become one. And the reality is, is it doesn't matter where you came from. The scripture here says it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Greek or slave or free. What that means for us today is it doesn't matter if you work for McDonald's or you work for the sanitation system or you are a CEO somewhere. It doesn't matter. You're baptized into one body. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, you're black or white or Mexican or Asian. It doesn't matter where you come from or your background. And as all the members, we're here to fulfill one purpose, and that's to fulfill the will of the head who is Christ. We're, We're here to fulfill his will in this city, and it's God's will that we further his kingdom, that none should perish, that we share the gospel. Everything that we do here, the ultimate purpose is to share the gospel with people. That's why we keep trying to improve everything here. We want to make our, our, our sanctuary area, our worship, our time of teaching welcoming to anybody. So that way when they come in, that they're not scared away and they have an opportunity to hear the gospel. That's why we do different events to get people in here that they might not otherwise. We did a rap concert not too long ago. Just so we could get people in, that they could get saved. That The whole purpose of everything that we do here is to get people to hear about the gospel. And it's God's will that none should perish. He wants everybody to hear it. And it's not just the outreaches and the concerts and the things like that, but it's everything that we do here. When we have somebody sit back in the sound system to try to make our sound sound the best that it can, his whole purpose is to make this place a welcoming place. For one, that we could worship in freedom and in truth and not be distracted. And Lord knows we have a long way to go in a lot of areas, but we've come a long way as well. It's why we have a worship team. It's why we have a prayer team. There's somebody in there right now that prays through the entire service. You guys don't even know it, but somebody's prays during our entire service every single Sunday. That's what they're there for, to to, to pray that people would hear the gospel. The people that greet up front, the people that work in the children's church, the people that, that, that clean the church every Sunday, or every week, rather, not usually on Sunday. But that's stuff that we don't even see. People are in here serving every single day to make sure that we have a place where we can worship, that we can serve God, but also be a welcoming place for those who don't know God, that we can minister to them. And that's what we're called to do, to serve together in multiple ways to reach this community. Amen? It's in order to build the church of Christ. In Romans 12, 4 through 8, it says, For as in one body we have many members, And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. 
Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Every single person in this room has something to offer. And it's all different. We all don't do the same things. We all don't have the same gifts. We don't all have the same abilities. We don't have the same talents. But every person was put here for a reason. And the truth is, is that this diversity, this, this how each person has different gifts as a talking bear, that's, that's a good thing. Because how boring would the place be if, we were, if everybody was like me? I mean, that would be a pretty poor church indeed. <laughs> but we don't want to have everybody doing the same thing and having the same gifts because one, I'm not good at everything. There's a lot of things that I'm not good at. And there's a lot of things that you guys are good at that I'm not and vice versa. And together, when we come together, we become much more effective together than if each of us are standing individually because there would be holes, there would be missing parts. And we're each given gifts according to a measure of grace. God is, I used to think that everything that I did was because of me. I just thought I was a pretty talented person. I could do a lot of things. And uh, I came to realize over time, because actually what God, and God, God had to say to me, all right, if you think you got it figured out, why don't you give it a shot on your own for a while? And I would recommend that you don't go through that if you don't have to, because, uh, you know, spoiler, didn't work out very well for me. And I had a really rough time. Um, and my life pretty much almost fell apart. And you guys, most of you guys who know me know about this, but there was a time when we filed for bankruptcy. My wife almost left me. I mean, we, it, was, it was a dark place for a long time. You know, and that's just the, the stuff that I'm okay with telling you about on a Sunday morning. It was a dark time. And uh, we, we finally gave our lives back to God. We said, you know what, Jesus, we're going to serve you. And, and finally it turned around. But it was at that point I realized that all these things that I thought were mine, that were mine, but God had actually gifted me. God had given me these things. And the truth is they weren't for my glory, although I was trying to steal it quite a bit. But they were for his and even now, that's, that's one of the things that, that I still have to keep conscious in my mind as I do these things is remember that it was, it was God who gave me these gifts and abilities because just like anybody else, I like an attaboy. I like somebody telling me good job, but I have to, to one, be gracious enough to recognize that it's okay. That was a hard part when I used to do worship, you know. In the beginning, it was, it was you know, people would say, hey, great job. And I was like, oh, it was, it was all the Lord. It was all the, you know, and I was, you know, overly humble about it. I had to realize that one, it's okay to say thank you, but still get recognized that it was God who gave me those gifts and those abilities to do these things. And, and the truth is, is he gave them to me to, to build his church. I look back in my life and I see all the things that I've been trained for in my life. And I realized God was just building me up to, to, to be where I'm at today. I've been in management positions at different jobs, and for some reason I never stayed and never stuck with the job. But why was I being taught how to lead if that wasn't my purpose? But it was to, to be for here. God has taught me to do a lot of things with, with websites and, and photography and marketing and all these different things. Not that I do any of those things except for to be used for His body, for His purpose. And he's put me here to do those things. And you all have gifts as well. God's been preparing you and teaching you your whole life to be able to serve him effectively. 
But the reality is, is that even with all of our gifts and our talents and our abilities, our value to the church actually isn't in our individual gifts. Our value to Christ isn't in the things that, because the truth is, is even if you don't know how to do something, if God needs something done, he'll teach you how to do something in a minute. I've heard of people learning how to play the piano in like a week, like from never playing to playing and leading worship in like a week because God has touched them. I've heard of people that, that couldn't speak a language and then within a few days they could completely speak another language because God needed them. God will give you the gifts and the abilities you need to serve him because our value is not based on the gifts that are given but really how we use them. Are we going to step out and say, God, use me. Here I am. Send me whatever you want me to do, God. Put me wherever you need. I'll do whatever it is to serve you. That's what's valuable to God, valuable to the church. Be faithful in whatever God would have you to do. If God's asking and calling you to do something, step out. And I get it because I've been there. When, when God called me to be a pastor, I, I remember because the, the pastor told me, I said, hey, I feel like God wants me to do something. Can you help me out? I don't know what it is. He said, you're going to preach. And I was like, no, go back outside and come back in. We're going to pick something else. There's got to be something else. I didn't want to do this. And finally, it took like a year of just me arguing with God. And I remember finally I said, God, fine. Whatever, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And the sense of peace came upon me. And then my wife had to continue arguing for like another year before we finally decided to step out. I get it. It's a big step. It's hard. It's, it requires a lot. It requires a lot of sacrifice. But that's what he put us here for. And I think back now, when I, I've seen God calling out to me my entire life, I wonder what would have happened if I would have said yes the first time? Where would I be today? How much more could I have accomplished for the kingdom of heaven? Now, I don't let that bog me down because there's no point. I can't go back and change it. All I can do is change what happens going forward. Paul says, I forget everything that lies behind me and I look forward. And that's what I'm going to do. I can't change anything. But every now and then I wonder if I would have just said yes sooner, what would have happened? What would be different? But even with all this tough, we're talking about having giftings and talents and abilities. The reality is, is that you don't just have to work in your giftings or abilities as well. Sometimes you just have to say yes. When, 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 when there's a need, you just need to step up and fill it. Because the reality is, is that you are a servant first which means you serve in whatever way needs to be done. My pastor used to tell me that, that talent is a dime a dozen. Like when we talk about having uh, worship leaders up here, people that are leading in worship, I can hire people that are extremely gifted and talented. Well, I can't hire them because I don't have the money to, but if we had money... If, if we had enough money for that, you know, we could go out there and hire, you know, I don't know what a, what a, a professional musician costs. I don't imagine it's cheap. But I, we could hire people to do that. Talent is a dime a dozen. There's a lot of talented people, but faithful people are hard to find. People that'll, that'll come in even when they don't want to. They'll come in when life is hard. They'll come in and, and give up their time to serve God. Faithful people is what he is looking for. And the truth is, is that sometimes in obedience, we'll do stuff that we don't want to do. I don't enjoy cleaning floors. I don't enjoy cleaning toilets, but I've cleaned plenty of them in the church. 
You know, my, my favorite thing to do is not to come in and retile an entire bathroom. But I've done that for the Tucson church. We came in day after day putting up tiles. And if you've ever been to the Tucson church, the, the men's and women's bathroom, like, I had a hand in that, which is kind of cool that I can say that now. But it wasn't fun. It hurt. My knees hurt. My back hurt. And uh, it's, it's, it's not my thing. I like computers. I don't like putting that stuff up. But, but the truth is, is that when I was asked, I said yes. And I've mopped floors and cleaned. I've done all of those things. And I just said, wherever you want me, God, I will be there. And he's blessed me through it, through every step of the way. And sometimes serving means doing what is necessary when it's difficult or tough. But I can promise you this, it is always worth it. Amen? I've got to move faster, otherwise we'll still go late. 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen through 19. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? This is why I want to point out that no member is less valuable than another. It doesn't matter what you're doing to serve. Everything is just as important as something else. And the truth is, the scripture says that the least desirable members receive greater honor. You know, for those of us who stand up front and do a thing and where we're seen and it's visible and people can see what we're doing, we receive a, 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 a less honor than somebody who stays after, after the service or stays, comes in during the week and they clean the toilets and they clean the floors and they do all those things. The scripture says that on those who are less desirable, there's more honor bestowed upon them. You know, and that's why I, I like to let people know that, that and I'm actually not here today, um, but, but George and Anna and also Norma as well, they come in on their own time and they clean this entire church to make sure that we're ready for Sunday mornings and for Wednesdays. And you guys don't even recognize how important something as simple as that is. Something as like, I don't want to clean the toilets, but how important that is because the truth is that when, when somebody comes into a church for the first time, one of the, one of the things that, that they've done in uh, research or studies, and one of the things that can affect their decision to stay the most is what the bathroom looks like. If the bathroom is not clean, there's toilet paper everywhere, you know, and really that it's not surprising because how many of you gone into a restaurant and you're like, oh, this place is nice, but you go into the bathroom and you're like, oh, this is disgusting. I don't know if I'll come back here again. The bathrooms are important and they make a difference. When I used to work in a restaurant, I was the dishwasher, and th- that's the worst position ever, and unfortunately, it's where everybody starts out, and it's, it's, it's gross, and it's, it's, it's wet, and it's hot, and it's, and it's just not fun. But how many of you know that if the dishwasher doesn't come into work, if the dishwasher stops washing dishes, the entire restaurant will shut down? Because there's no plates to put any of the food on. Every, every part is important and plays an important role. And that's why there's diversity in the body. So does we can be effective in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. We also need each other. In 1 Corinthians 12, 20 through 26, it says, As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to 
the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. It's kind of part of what I was just talking about a moment ago. We all need one another. We need each other. We all have a purpose to fulfill. And when somebody's missing, when something is not where it's supposed to be, it's all felt. We we feel it because it it, it causes a, a hole, a void in the body. And there's, there's no part of the body that could function on its own. I mean, how many know that, that church would be a completely different experience if we didn't have people helping on the worship team, if we didn't have people helping on the sound, if we didn't have the kids running the coffee? I, there's no way I could operate without everybody helping me. This is not a, a one-man show up here. I, I need everybody's help to accomplish the purpose that God has for this church. And, and the same goes for anybody else in any of those other positions. Without the rest of us, we would fail. We would not be effective. We would not reach people. And there would be a, a, a giant hole in what God wants to do here in this city because God has purposed us to be in this city, to, to do a great work here. That We are here for a reason. And the truth is, is that it doesn't matter what you're doing. The, there's more honor on the less presentable pieces, like it said, and, and lesser honor are those who are already receiving honor by being up front. But we need one another. And the truth is, is that because we are one body, we rejoice together and we suffer together. When one person is hurting, then we all hurt. But when one person is doing great, then we all rejoice because without each other, one person couldn't do well. Amen? We need one another. And we should lift and encourage each other up in the same manner. Ephesians four fifteen through 16, he says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up itself up in love. You know that the, the body is designed in such a way that it's supposed to work properly. It says when each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow. So how do we get to that point? How do we encourage one another to grow together? First it starts, it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We are supposed to grow up, church. We're supposed to keep moving forward. You know, when you first get into a church, you come in because you're looking for, for family or you're looking for God. You're looking to fill a void. You're looking for healing. You're looking for wholeness. You're looking for teaching. There's all these different things that we could be looking for. And when you first come into a church, that's what you're, you're going, but you're not supposed to stay there. You're not supposed to stay wanting to, to, to be a consumer. At some point, we should be growing into being someone that's pouring out into somebody else's life, encouraging other people, helping them grow. And it says that we do that by speaking the truth in love. I want to make one thing clear that speaking the truth in love does not mean you get to be a jerk. 
Because there's a lot of places that say uh, speaking the truth in love is basically pointing out people's flaws. You know, they want to point out, they want to tell people how they're messing up, how they're doing everything wrong, how they're, how they're not measuring up. That's not what speaking the truth in love is. That doesn't sound like uh, love at all, really. That sounds like criticism and condemnation. Speaking the truth in love, what that actually looks like is if you do see somebody falling and not doing what they're supposed to do, you don't go and tell them how wrong they're doing. Instead, you remind them of who they are in Christ. You say, hey, buddy, you're better than that. You've been forgiven. You're free. In Christ, you have the victory over that thing. That's speaking the truth in love. You tell them what God has accomplished inside of them. And when we do that, we begin to, to grow up. We begin to get out of those things that are dragging us down. And we step forward into the effectiveness that God has called each and every one of us to have to be so that we can work properly together so that we can grow up. Because the truth is, is when we're not working properly together, when we're not working effectively together, the efficiency of the church is greatly diminished. And it's true because we see that every single day. You guys ever, ever had a car when the check engine light comes on because of a stupid O2 sensor? Man, that O2 sensor, it can mess everything up. I've had so many cars. I'm driving along. The light comes on, and all of a sudden you're getting a little bit of sputtering. Maybe you get some backfiring. Maybe you get, you get uh, uh, your gas mileage just drops. All of a sudden, you, you, it's like, man, I was putting so much more money in my tank. And there's like nothing wrong with the rest. It's a stupid sensor. It's one little thing. There's nothing wrong with the rest of your car, but because it's not reading properly, because it's not doing what it's supposed to do, it causes the rest of your car to be inefficient. And the same can be true in the church. When we have some person that, that, that God has purposed him to, for a reason to do a thing, and, and when they're not stepping up, they're not walking in their calling, it can cause the church to be ineffective in that area. Amen? Or it's also like, you guys ever had a, a washing machine go out of balance? Man, I've had sometimes a washing machine goes out of balance. I thought my house was going to fall apart. I mean, the picture frames against the wall, the whole, because we have an upstairs room and our, our, washing, our washing machine and dryer are actually upstairs. Most bring, if you ever get a two-story house, make sure your washer and dryer are upstairs. It is the best thing ever because you don't have to carry your clothes up and down the stairs. You don't have to deal with all that stuff. And what they do is they put a tray up with a big uh, drain on it so if it overflows, your, your washing machine's sitting in a drain so it's safe. Except for if the washing machine's out of balance because your whole house begins to sway. I think people from the outside, when they see the washing machine, I'm not like, they must think an earthquake's happening in my house. The whole thing's just waving back and forth. And all it is is because it's out of balance because the clothes aren't spread the way that they're supposed to be in there. And it begins to just cause a ruckus. It causes your house to shake. You swear you're going to have to replace the washer because there's no way a washer can live through that kind of thrashing after that. It feels like the place is going to come apart. But the same thing can happen in a church. When we're not operating together in balance, when we're not doing the things that we're supposed to do, the church can begin to wobble. It can begin to shake and it becomes much less effective at what it's supposed to be doing. And we're all supposed to mature in the body. Not remain as we are, but grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We're supposed to grow. 
and use our giftings, work in the roles that God has called us to do so the church can become stronger and more effective. In 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, it says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of you, God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Did you guys know that you're living stones in the body of Christ? This is always such an amazing uh, illustration that is being used right here by Peter. Because if, especially, uh, not so much now, when they built my house, literally my entire house came up on a truck. Pre-built, all pre-framed, they just put it together. But when they used to, to, to build stone houses, and actually I imagine it's very much the same thing now when you're building a masonry house, that cornerstone, that first stone that you put down, if that is not that set down correctly, then, the, then nothing else can be built upon it. It can't, there's no way, if you set down that one crooked, the walls aren't going to be straight. And there's no way that that cornerstone is the important one. And that's what Jesus Christ is to us. He's our cornerstone. How many know that we got a, a good, solid foundation to build on? If you want to, if you want to form the church on anything else but Jesus, then it's going to come out all crooked and wobbly. It's going to look like one of those crazy drawings that that, that the, the house can't actually. You ever seen the stairs where it's like you go up the stairs and down the stairs, but somehow you're going back up? You seen those drawings? That's what that's what it looks like if you don't base the church on Jesus. He was the living cornerstone. He is our foundation. But we are also living stones being built into that church, into that temple, into his body. Now, when the temple was built, this is, this is a, a, a reference to the stones of the temple. And when the temple was built, there was, no, the, the, there was no tools allowed to be used around the temple. You couldn't go up there and, and you know, if, if we had to do that today, you build a house. It's like you couldn't bring a saw with you to, to, to make sure that everything was great, to take a little bit more off the edge. The stones had to be fashioned at the quarry where they were built. And then second, or first Kings six, sevens, it says this, when the house was built, it was with stone prepared at the quarry so that neither hammer nor ax nor any tool of iron was heard in the house while it was being built. Now, most of us read that and we just glance over. We don't think much of it. But if you think about this, what we're talking about is these massive stones used to build the temple. And they couldn't be, there, there was no way to, to take them up there and go, oh shoot, this one's just a little bit high. We're going to take a little off the top so the stone fits. So no, they're taking these measurements of this stone and they're back down on the quarry and they're carving these stones out and they bring them back up. And if historians have said, if you look at the stones in the temple, they were fit together so perfectly that you couldn't even fit a piece of paper between any of the edges of the stone where they came together. These, these stones were carved out so perfectly in the quarry and brought there and they fit perfectly together. And it's a beautiful picture because we are living stones in his body, in his church. And in the same way, we are fit together perfectly. We have each been handcrafted by God to come in and be put into this body, into this church. And there's not even room to where you're supposed to fit. There's not even room to fit a piece of paper between where you join up to somebody else. 
You were created perfectly to be where you're at right now today. You were fit in to this church, into this building as a living stone. Amen? And you were purposely built by God. You have a reason. You have a purpose. You are not happenstance. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11, it says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Like I said, we are God's building of fitted stones that are coming together. And Paul says that I was placing those stones where they fit. He was putting them together. He was, he was teaching and he was building people up so they could mature. And they were coming together onto a foundation, which was Jesus building a church that was effective in the cities where he was, where he was leaving those churches. He was building them and teaching them. And the reality is, is most of what I do as a pastor is to help build you, to equip you up, to be ready to do the work that God has called you to do. That is my purpose. In Ephesians four eleven through 12, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the working of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See, most people think that it's the pastor's job to reach the lost, that it's the, it's the evangelist's job to reach the lost. But the truth is, is that our jobs is to equip and to train you to build you up so that you can step out into your calling and do those things. And the truth, the, the reality is, is that the church is a place where people come to be healed. It's a place where people come to be made whole. It's a place where people come to find comfort, to be fed, to be taught, to be encouraged. But that's not the way we're supposed to remain. We need to grow into a place where instead of coming to, to, to be healed, we grow into someone who's instrumental in healing somebody else. Instead of, instead of coming for wholeness, we come and be, be a part of, be the instrument, the tool that God uses to help make somebody whole. Instead of being comforted, we need to step up and start comforting others. Instead of coming just to be fed, we need to step up and make sure that we are feeding others. Instead of coming to be taught, we need to all step up and begin to teach others. And instead of only coming on Sunday morning to be encouraged, we should be stepping up ourselves and be an encouragement to others. So many people come to church just hoping to get something out of it. So, so many people come to church hoping to, to be entertained or to have a good time or maybe they're just trying to, to check that, uh, uh, that, that mark off on their spiritual checklist. Now, God's got to love me because I went to church today. That's not really how it works. We come to be trained and equipped so we can be effective in his kingdom. Church, if you look around you, there's thousands upon thousands of people in this city who don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know his love. They don't know his wholeness. They don't know his healing. And they're walking around with no hope. And the purpose that we are here for is to grow and to be trained into people that can reach them out there to share the love of God with them. That's why we're here. And it should drive you to come in to serve. It should drive you to come in to work. It's for him because if you look out there, if you would see them as God sees them, these, these are people that are they're lost. They have no hope. And that should hurt your heart. 
Because God has made provision for them. God has made a way for them. And without it, they're completely lost. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created for good works. How many know this goes for the people that I was just talking about out there as well? God has a purpose for their lives. God has a purpose for them. And they may not even know it. And we could be the ones to share that with them. But it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. And like I said earlier, we don't do good works to come into God's good graces. Because he didn't save us because of how good we could do the things that we were going to do. He did it because he loved us unconditionally. It didn't matter what you did or who you were, where you came from, who your parents were. It doesn't matter about any of that stuff. God loved you and he sent his son for you. But as a, as a natural response for someone who did so much for you, the natural response would be to, to, be to want to do something for him. So I said, we don't, we don't do good works to get saved, but because we're saved, we step out into good works. Amen? Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We are created for God's glory. He, we are here for a purpose, and that is to serve him for his glory. And he has a plan for our lives. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You know, this, this fourth book of Ephesians is strictly dealing with the unity of the body. And Paul says, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. It's interesting that he uses those phrases. Uh, he's a prisoner because in Christ we are, we are free, but we are still a prisoner to him. We are, the, elsewhere, the scripture says that we're a slave to righteousness. And all that means is that, that when you were a, whatever you're a slave to, whatever you're a prisoner to, that dictates what you do in your life. If you're a slave to sin, then sin has control over you. You can't do anything without sin's permission or direction. And what he's talking about here, being a, oh, a slave to righteousness or a prisoner for the Lord, means that, that whatever we do is under the direction of what we're a slave to or what we're in prison to. In this case, as a prisoner of the Lord, Paul at one point says, Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Because that's what he was called to do. That was his, pur- his very purpose. And he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, how many know that walking in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called is not about performance? It's not about how good you're doing something. But it's about being obedient. To walk in a worthy manner of your calling is to actually step out and walk in it. To actually do what God is asking you to do. And not pull back and to not be afraid 
And to not make excuses, but instead step out in what he has called you to do. He says, do it with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. That means that sometimes it's going to be tough. That means sometimes you're going to be irritated. That means sometimes people are going to rub you the wrong way. Some of you guys are like, amen, I've been there. Sometimes you drive me crazy, Pastor Wayne. But he says that we, we, we do it with all humility and gentleness and with patience and we bear one another in love. And he says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit, the unity of the church is important for our effectiveness. And we are created that we should serve. And the truth is that even right now as I'm speaking to you, I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you and and, uh, He's stirring your heart to serve. And it should be. And we should be asking, what can I do? In Exodus 36, 1 through 12, it says, Bezalel and Oheliab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put the skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Oheliab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill and everyone whose heart stirred him up to come do the work. This is... Moses calling for craftsmen to begin building the Ark of the Covenant and and begin putting all of that together. And the tabernacle is being put together here. And and how many know that God doesn't ever give a vision without a plan to implement it? God doesn't ever push a work forward without having a plan and a purpose and the resources to do those things. And he told Moses how to build the tabernacle. But he provided Moses with skillful men and women to do the work. And he, God provided those who could work in gold and silver and bronze. He provided those who could work with stones for the settings. Those who were skillful in wood. Those who could make the table and utensils. The gold lampstand. The altar of incense. The priestly garments. Everything that went with that. God gave Moses a vision and he gave him the, the, the workers to step out and do what he called them to do. And I want you to know, church, that God has placed different skills and talents in you this morning, and he has a purpose for you. You're not here in this church by happenstance. God has a purpose for you in this body. He has something for you to do. He has a purpose for you to to be effective at reaching this community, that everyone would share in the same hope that we have, to know that we will live together with a God who loves us more than anything. And your heart should be stirring right now with what can I do to serve the Lord. And if you're not serving already and you'd like to, just let me know. We can get you plugged in. There's always something that can be done. Right now, most of the things that we have going on, there's only one person that does it. It would be nice that they wouldn't have to do it every single Sunday to have a break. I know we could use help in the sound booth. We can always use help up front with the worship team. We could always use help with people cleaning the church. It falls on, that's a a huge responsibility that falls on one or a couple people right now. There's always something, greeters, children's workers, help with marketing, help with with uh, web stuff if you have skills i mean there's all kinds of stuff that needs to be done and if you want to get plugged in you don't know what you want to do we can find something for you because the truth is 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 when we talk about the culture of who we are at a church it's it's 
we want to serve in whatever way we can, whatever capacity we can to be effective for Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his church, that it would grow. And even if you don't have any particular skills, you don't feel like that you can be a benefit, there's always something. First and foremost, we are servants. And we do whatever needs to be done. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.